Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. If you sometimes lack the energy and motivation to get into the gym, or are hitting the snooze button instead of that morning class, or are just not feeling like you're giving 100% during your workout, Just Ingredients Raspberry Pre-Workout is for you. Just Ingredients Raspberry Lemonade Pre-Workout is a 100% natural pre-workout drink that increases energy, improves mood, sharpens mental focus, increases strength and endurance, and reduces fatigue. Just Ingredients is committed to its ingredients and only uses the highest quality natural ingredients that come from the earth. Just Ingredients pre-workout is naturally sweetened and flavored with real foods and contains no artificial dyes, chemicals, or sugar alcohols. So if you want some help getting a boost for your workouts, you want to try Just Ingredients pre-workout today. For 20% off of Just Ingredients pre-workout, use the code JIPODCAST2 on our website at justingredients.us. Once again, that's code JIPODCAST2 at justingredients.us for 20% off your pre-workout. Dr. Meg Mill is a functional medicine practitioner. In her virtual functional medicine practice, she works with patients worldwide to heal the root cause of their health struggles through advanced diagnostic testing and personalized support. Meg is a best-selling author and speaker. She has also been seen in national publications such as Fox News, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Yahoo, Reader's Digest, Health, Authority Magazine, Very Well Health, Sunset, Thrive Global, Drug Topics, and Circle Magazine, as well as several national blogs and podcast guest appearances. She is particularly passionate about helping people end headaches and migraines, increase energy, and restore mental clarity without drugs or overwhelming protocols so they can live the life they love with her proven EAT method. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, I'm really excited to have Dr. Meg Mill here with us today. She talks a lot about headaches and migraines and things like that. And a lot of you followers have asked me to find someone that will talk all things headaches. And so thank you, Dr. Mill, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. So before we begin, will you just tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So I am a PharmD. I started out as a PharmD and I went to um, to school to get my doctor in pharmacy. And then I did a residency in ambulatory care after that. And I practiced for many years as a clinical pharmacist. And while I was on that journey, I kept seeing people get more and more sick. I would say they were more surviving rather than thriving. And I knew the protocols. I knew why we were putting people on different medications and I just wasn't seeing them get better. So I just started to feel like there needed to be another way. And I started exploring more holistic options. And, and then I found functional medicine. And in that same vein, I was having some of my own personal health issues that I also felt like weren't being answered by conventional medicine. So I started digging deeper and found functional medicine. And it wasn't until I found functional medicine that I was able to really heal myself and then felt like, oh, wow, I want to share this. I got certified in functional medicine through the Institute of Functional Medicine, School of Applied Functional Medicine, kept going on and on to get certified in that way to see patients. And now I see patients in my virtual practice. I see people all over the world. And I really love it because I get to see that transformation 
every day where people are like, oh my gosh, I've been living like this for 20 years and I didn't think I had any other options. And just so all you listeners, there are other options. (laughs) I love that. Well, I love that you took a hard trial or health issue and then educated yourself on it and now educate others on it. So I love that you did that. And I love that you're virtual so that anyone listening could reach out to you, right? Absolutely. And I think, you know, all the changes in the world have really, there have been, you know, a lot of different changes, but really we had to shift in, in 2020. And so when we did that, it was like, oh, well, we can do this. We can do this through Zoom. We all learned how to use it. And so I opened a virtual practice at that point. And now I see people all over the world. It's just so great to connect with people, even from other countries that we're all going through the same thing. So it is, I can see people in any capacity. Well, I love knowing that you have the virtual practice because people ask me on a daily basis for a recommendation for a functional medicine practitioner. So now everyone listening knows, and now I'll know to recommend you. Thank you. So why are you passionate about working with people suffering from headaches and migraines? So I see people as a functional medicine practitioner for all different reasons. And one of the things I noticed when I started out was that people were coming to me and for either four headaches and migraines, or they were coming to me for other reasons. And when we do, we do a really detailed intake questionnaire and symptom questionnaire before we start. So I, I really dig into their whole health history. And I just kept seeing this pattern of, wow, I've been suffering for headaches as long as I can remember. Oh, I have had it. You know, I just, it just was this same pattern. And it really opened my eyes to how many people are suffering with regular headaches and migraines and, and really normalize it. It, it. They're being told by trusted medical professionals, oh, this is just genetic or, oh, this is just something you have to live with. And they're living with this. And then, you know, sometimes even having to take medications that are causing other problems with the gut and, and different issues from really treating this with over-the-counter pain medications sometimes or prescriptions for years. So once we started working together, then they would come back and say, wow, I, my headaches are gone. I can't believe I don't have migraines. I've always thought I had to live with this. And it enlightened me that we, one, we don't need to suffer. And two, there are so many people that are regularly suffering. And I just felt like this is an area we talk a lot about a lot of different things that are great in in healthcare, but there's not a whole lot of people out there talking about the fact that you don't have to suffer with headaches. Well, I have so many followers who suffer from headaches constantly every day. I have questions about headaches and migraines. So I'm so glad to have this podcast episode to refer them to because um, I think a lot of people, like you said, think it's normal, but it may be common, but it's not normal. Okay, let's delve into these headaches and migraines. First of all, is there a difference between headaches and migraines? When people tell me like, oh, I've got a migraine. I'm like, do you or do you have a headache? How do we know? Yes. So there, there are differences. So a headache would be the more general term. So of any different kind of head pain and the most common type of headache would be probably a tension headache. So in a tension headache, you're going to get sort of a band across the, the head, sort of a steady dull pain across the forehead or the back of the head by the neck generally. And it usually doesn't follow a pattern. It's usually on both sides and it doesn't have nausea or vomiting occurring. And it it can last a few minutes to a few hours. And that would be more what we would 
consider a more classic tension headache. With migraines, we generally have a pattern. It's usually a throbbing type of pain and it's often on one side, although it can be both. And it actually also follows more of the pattern. People can have that aura before where they have vision disturbances before they get the migraine. They do feel the nausea and vomiting and those can last four to 48 hours and sometimes even up to 72. I actually was just talking with a patient that was saying, you know, her longest one was two weeks. So, I mean, some of these can be debilitating for a long period of time for people and they are more sensitive to light and noise and movement. So when people are suffering from migraines, they do often feel relief getting in that dark room, putting that cool cloth on their forehead, you know, really calming their body down. Okay. So that's good to know the difference between them. So now this is maybe a huge question, but what causes headaches? I'm sure there's a lot of things. Maybe we should break it down. Yes. <laughs> there are so many. That's what we work on. <laughs> there, okay. there are a lot of things. <laughs> okay. Let's just, we'll break it down. Let's talk about diet. Does food and diet play a role in migraines and headaches? Absolutely. And I think this is a big misconception because I think that again is not talked about. And so we have two different components when we're talking about food in relation to to headaches and migraines. And one of them are certain food. We know there are certain food groups that are more likely through studies to trigger headaches. And those food groups would be like tyramine, uh, salicylate, nitrate, sulfites, MSG, aspartame, even caffeine, even we can get more into that too, because there's a, it can often actually be used to treat headaches, but people can get rebounds. So headaches from those. So these are food groups that have a mechanism in your body that can trigger a headache. And what's interesting about the foods is that it's not the same for all people. So although some people may have some of these foods, some people may have others, and it can often be about a threshold. So you can say, I like to just, we'll use a glass of wine because that will be one people commonly say, well, I had a glass of wine and I didn't have a headache. Well, you may have had the glass of wine and that didn't cause your headache at that time, but you may have had some aged cheese that had tyramine in that too. And that put you over the threshold another time. So there can be thresholds where people have combinations of food that kind of put them over that level. So then on the other end of that, there's also individual foods. So we talk about food sensitivities. So food sensitivities happen when your food crosses the gut lining and gets into the bloodstream and we get this IgG antibody response. And when we get this immune response, we can get inflammation and that can also cause headaches. So sometimes pulling out the food sensitivities can also make a huge impact on, on your headache. So what it's, it can be overwhelming because a lot of these foods are healthy foods. They're not necessarily bad foods that people think I'm eating a healthy diet. I have so many people that come to me that are purposefully eating, unfortunately, some of the foods that are actually triggering their headaches because they feel like these foods are, are good for them. And so I think what I like to tell people that, that the listeners can do right now is print out a blank calendar. And every time you get a headache or a migraine, you want to write down what you ate that day and the day before, because food sensitivities can last up to 48 hours. And so, and they're nondescript sometimes. So sometimes you you don't see, it's not like, oh, I ate that food and I get this reaction right away. So just, if you get that headache, like, like I said, write down what you ate that day and the day before, and just start to look for commonality and say like, oh my gosh, is it every time I'm having a lemon, (laughs) you know, is it because salicylates are in citrus food, you know, it's just 
find that commonality if there's foods that you notice are common in that in that pattern. Okay, so if someone comes to you with headaches and you're discussing food with them, they are encouraged to do this journaling, like you said. But then are there certain food groups or certain foods that you say, let's just start with eliminating these or not necessarily? Well, we definitely eliminate their food sensitivities. So you can, you know, there's two different ways to do that. You can try a a standard elimination diet and that way you're kind of guessing which foods are most common, or I actually will do food sensitivity testing, and then I can test their IgG antibodies. And then we, we eliminate those foods for 90 days. And then we, we reintroduce those one at a time back in and and really look at the response. So we, we would definitely do a full elimination of the food sensitivities, because we know those are specific to that individual. With the other foods, I I really have them start to try to look at it, how much they're eating at first, because they're, you know, like I said, it can be overwhelming. And then um, sometimes for a few weeks, just a short period of time, I'll say, well, why don't we cut these foods all out just, you know, so that you're not limited for a long period, but let's cut them out for a few weeks. And then we reintroduce. So because once your body can calm down and they're not having those foods, then you, you can more clearly see how you're reacting. I also have like a cookbook and recipes and everything to help guide them through foods they can. Cause I think when you're taking foods away, there gets to be that question of what can I eat now? (laughs) For sure. Yeah. My husband's doing this anti-inflammatory sort of like an elimination diet right now. And it's hard like for breakfast, like what can we eat? So yes, (laughs) I get that. Okay. So back to headaches. Um, you had just mentioned really quickly that inflammation can play a part in these headaches. And so do you also suggest eliminating those inflammatory foods? I do. Yes, for sure. I think that I generally stress that in nutrition. So I would say that would be a first step just in any, any basic plan because we want to, we want to avoid the inflammatory foods for sure. So you want to avoid all those and then specifically dial into more foods that are more headache specific to you too. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So now let's talk about stress and headaches. Stress I'm sure plays a huge part in people's headaches. Absolutely. I call it the chain of pain because people have headache is an independent stressor on the body. Because when we think of stress, we think of our to-do list, what we have going on, our busy lives, but we actually have biological stressors too. And pain is one of those. So when you're having headaches, they can be stressful on the body, which can increase your cortisol levels. And that can increase another hormone called prolactin and your prolactin can increase your pain sensitivity. So that can actually make your headaches worse. So you get stuck in this cycle. And so what we really need to do is really work on things that are bringing you back into that parasympathetic nervous system where we rest and digest. We spend a lot of our time just, we have busy lives. We have a lot going on. We spend a lot of time in that, in our sympathetic and our fight and flight nervous system. So we want, I work with people on finding ways to get back into the parasympathetic. And I like to say with people that it's really about what resonates with you. I can tell you, oh, you should meditate or, oh, you should, you know, be, do mindfulness or different things. But I think, I feel like working with people, there's different things that resonate with each person. So it's really about finding what resonates with you and and being able to bring yourself into a calm place and practice it. I love that you just said that because so many times I'll hear doctors or practitioners say, oh, people need to do X, Y, or Z to lower their stress. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. 
<laughs> even sounds more stressful. So I appreciate you saying that. And I love the thought. This is what I have told people lately. When people tell me like, you need to lower your stress. I'm like, I can't really do that, but I can manage my stress. And so I think some of these tips that practitioners give are ways to manage people's stress. Would you think that? Yeah, absolutely. It's just giving tools. So it's like, okay, these tools are known. So even um, deep breathing, we know that your breath can bring you back into the parasympathetic nervous system. So just even taking like a minute, I mean, a lot of people have watches now that actually will signal you to breathe. So you, if your watch is going off, you know, just take that minute and do those breaths instead of ignoring it or, you know, because I, and I think it's building the muscle of practice and being able to do it in a regular pattern so that when you are more stressed, you can come back to that practice. So people that come to your practice that maybe have their headaches due to stress, do you have favorite ways to manage this stress? Is breathing one of your favorites? One of them. I mean, I think that's an easy way. So it's really, you know, what people can incorporate. I mean, personally, I do like meditation um, as a, as a form of relaxation too, but I try to work with, but I do say deep breathing is one I use often because they can do it for short periods of time and a way to start, you know, everybody needs a place to start. And that's, if you're telling someone, go meditate for 20 minutes a day, you know, that, that's really not realistic for someone who's never meditated, especially if, if they're trying to do it without help or guidance. Sometimes, you know, some people can jump right in, but the deep breathing is something you can do for a short period of time. And that actually is a way to get your body into the parasympathetic nervous system. So it's just a good, easy place to start. I love that. Okay. So let's move on to another factor of migraines and headaches. What about environmental toxins? Do they play a role? Yes. And so there's, there's two elements that come here. So we know we have studies that show that some heavy metals such as lead and cadmium and different heavy metals are associated with headaches. So that's kind of something like you dive further into, like, could you have heavy metal toxicity and could that be behind the headaches? But also when we look at the environment allergies. So one of the other things that is common with people that have headaches are high histamines. And we work on that with foods, but also that causes allergy symptoms. And so even things you can do in your house, like maybe get an air purifier in your bedroom and things to just clean up your environment can really make a big difference. I think people don't realize the impact that, that some of those types of things can do too. Right. I'd agree. My son seemed to get um, headaches during the like seasonal allergy time. And so we got him an air filter just for his room. And it was a world of difference, made such a difference. Absolutely. My husband said, we don't, he said, we don't need that. When I put them in the bedrooms, I'm like, we, use, we have this special filter on our furnace. And, and I was like, I just want them. I, you know, this is important to me. And when I changed the filter the first time and showed him what was actually in it, it it's really amazing how much more you can get from those purifiers. Yeah. The, it's crazy. Well, also talking about environmental toxins, things like the fragrance and the chemicals coming out of like plugins and air fresheners, things like that. I'm assuming those all can easily play a role as well. Yes, absolutely. So just really looking at paying attention to your environment and cleaning them up. And, and like we were saying, everyone has different triggers. So smell can, you know, the toxins and that, and even beyond that, even the smell of it too, can also trigger people. Yeah. I knew the answer to what I asked you because I actually get terrible headaches when I 
the smell is too strong. So even like in the grocery store, if I'm going down the detergent aisle, I actually hold my breath so that I don't breathe it because I know it gives me a headache really easily. And so I just try to hurry down that aisle or skip that aisle. So yeah, it's crazy how fragrance can play a role. Okay, let's move on to another topic. I'm assuming hormones can also play a role in headaches and migraines. Yes, absolutely. So especially if you're getting those cyclical headaches. So if you're getting headaches at ovulation or at the right before your period or during your period, that's all often your a red flag that you're getting hormonal headaches. And so the most common challenge with regard to hormone headaches are estrogen dominance and rapidly changing hormones. And so what happens is uh, the estrogen will peak when we ovulate and then it can drop rapidly for some people. And then it goes back up in the second half of our cycle. And so does progesterone, but, but progesterone can sometimes drop faster than estrogen, leaving you in an estrogen dominant state. And that can be a big trigger for many women to get these headaches and migraines. When I work with people, we're really digging in and doing hormone testing and, and balancing out their hormones so that they're in the place we want to have harmony, but just really looking at your environment because we are surrounded by xenoestrogens and endocrine disruptors all the time. And so you may be experiencing that overload of estrogen from outside of your body also. So looking at your products, looking at your meats and your dairy and making sure that you're getting grass-fed meat that's not fed, you know, hormones or antibiotics and, and making some of those choices can actually just start to bring that estrogen load down. Okay, so if someone has these cyclical headaches and is listening to this podcast, can they assume it's estrogen dominance and then just start eliminating like these endocrine disruptors and things like that, or they should go get their hormones tested? So hormones are a little bit complicated because when we're looking at hormonal balances, hormones are about balance. So when we're looking at estrogen dominance, we have to look at different factors. So we're looking at are, do you have too much estrogen? Do you make that and why? And then, or are you just deficient in progesterone? So yes, yeah, sometimes dialing into that and really once you're te once you get testing, you can sort of really work with those hormones to make them in balance. But I think that it really doesn't hurt anyone to limit endocrine disruptors. So I, I think you can start doing that today. Right. <laughs> I agree. Your, go in your kitchen and take all of your plastics <laughs> and, uh, and switch to glass. That I love that as the very first step, because once we heat that plastic, we, you know, or have that leach into our food and we're actually eating out of, you know, containers that have endocrine disruptors in them. Right. Yes, everybody can benefit from decreasing those endocrine disruptors. You're right. Okay, so we've talked about a lot of different reasons that can cause migraines, headaches. But if someone is having headaches, when do they know to finally go see a doctor? Like sometimes I know people that have a couple headaches and they're off to the doctor and some people that suffer, you know, multiple, multiple headaches before they go. Is there like a good timing to go see a doctor? Well, I think if you're getting more than one headache a month, you're pretty much considered that you have, you know, chronic headaches or, or more than at one, even every couple months, like it's a regular pattern for you. So it's, it's really about figuring out why you're having the headaches. I think if it's something that's a, been a pattern that you've had for a long time. Now, I'm that being said, I'm not so sure that you need to go get an MRI or get treatment that's really in depth at that point. 
So I get, but it's worth it to get checked out and see what the reasoning behind it is for sure. Okay, that's good to know that it's only one a month. That's probably most Americans, I would think. That's not very many at all. Well, it, to make that more complicated, when you're getting that regular headaches, you're also generally taking pain medication to treat them, which is then causing you other issues. So, you know, we're looking at your gut health. So gut health is another factor that can affect headaches. And so what it's surprising people aren't thinking your gut health, but really our gut health can affect so many things in our bodies. And that's another thing where we do look into what underlying inflammation, underlying infections, but then when you're taking pain medication regularly, you can also be disrupting your gut and, and your gut lining and things like that. So taking that regular Advil or, you know, things you're taking to treat the headaches can also be disrupting your health in other ways too. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, so if someone goes sees a conventional doctor for headaches versus a functional medicine practitioner for headaches, what's the difference? So I actually like to use an analogy for this. So if you to if your car was making a sound and you took it to the mechanic and you went in and you said, my car is making this noise, I'm afraid to drive it. And the mechanic took your keys and walked away and then walked over and got a pair of earmuffs and came back and handed you your keys and handed your earmuffs and said, here, you're good to go. Would you feel comfortable driving that car? And most of us wouldn't right. <laughs> say, no way. So the, a lot of times when you go to the conventional treatment, like if they have done, you know, hopefully you, you do get some sort of test like an MRI or something, if you're having very severe headaches that you are concerned about, but otherwise I think you're just told, Oh, you have headaches. You're, you know, this is take medicine to cover it up. So in conventionally, we're really just treating the headache with a medicine and we're treating the pain. We're really not doing anything to change the fact that you have a headache. So we want to flip it around and in functional medicine, and we're switching it into say like, okay, the headache is the symptom, but why are you having the headaches? Like what's going on in your body, in your life that's creating these triggers for you to have headaches. And once we do that, we're really getting them to go away. The people no longer have to suffer with the headaches because we're treating that underlying why. Okay. Well, first of all, I love your analogy. That was really relatable. And then two, I sometimes am astounded by the fact that not all doctors are trying to figure out the root cause of things. Like, why are we just putting a Band-Aid over it rather than trying to find the root cause? I know it is. real, And that's why I, one of the reasons I, like I said, I just became passionate to help people know that you don't have to, because I hear people just told so often we, we have this culture where we just wait until there's a medication. So it's like, okay, look, there's not a medication to treat it. Then we just are going to say, okay, it's just something you have to live with, but your body's a very complex being and so many things affect each other. And so when we look at it, not in just okay, here's your head, here's your hormones, here's your gut. Like they're all connected. They're all talking to each other in one person. And so we look at all those connections and can, I say we become detectives. I, you know, tell people you're going to be your own personal detective of your health. And, and we really can see a difference. I wish all doctors were like that, but I, I know they're not. And all the doctors are great for different reasons. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about headaches in kids. So are all the reasons that we've talked about for headaches the same for kids as well? They can be. Yes, I work with kids and things can start at a young age. So let's say a child is someone who had ear infections as a baby over and over and had to be on a lot of antibiotics. Well, potentially that those antibiotics could be 
wiping out the microbiome and creating an inflammatory response, which, you know, and then creating some food sensitivities. And so it can have a lot of people have suffered since childhood with headaches. And so these can start early. And I think particularly in families where people have headaches, they just think it's genetic. They think, oh, we're just a family that has had headaches. That's true. I've heard that reason before many times. Okay, so if someone's listening and either they deal with headaches or their kids deal with headaches, where's the first place that they should start? I say there's three simple, easy, free tips. So the first thing I think that they should do is drink more water. So make sure that you're drinking um, about half your body weight in water daily and try to sip the water throughout the day. So you're really getting that hydration at a cellular level. If we drink too much at once, we're not absorbing it into the cells as, as well. So, you know, really get that water bottle or glass by your desk and sip your water throughout the day and stay hydrated. The other thing is really getting a good night's sleep. And we know that for headaches, that sleep is an independent, like the amount of REM sleep is an independent risk factor for migraines. So just really making sure you make that a priority because that's another thing that can affect your your headaches. And then I think also starting with that calendar that I said to really look at the connections between things that are triggering them so they can start to get an idea on their own unique triggers. Those are good tips. Okay. So if someone is in the process of doing this, but suffering with headaches as they're trying to get better sleep and hydrate and follow a calendar, are there things that they can do to find relief from the suffering? A lot of people have success with peppermint oil, like some essential oils. So if you get it right away, you can put some peppermint and lavender and even some essential oil companies have blends that are specifically for headaches. So that's something if you can try to catch it. Curcumin is an anti-inflammatory. So sometimes getting like we had talked about the inflammatory foods, getting just those levels of inflammation down in general can also be helpful. Okay, that's good to know. So I have a question as a mom. Because when do you know that the headache or migraine might be something more serious? Because sometimes like when my kids will have like multiple headaches in a row, I start to get nervous like, oh, is this serious? You know what I mean? So is there a way to know like, oh, maybe this is more serious. I need to go have them checked out. I think when you're in doubt, you should just take them to be checked. It's, it's hard because everyone's individual and, you know, everyone's pain tolerance is individual too. So you don't know if you're, you know, where their pain tolerance is versus someone else's, but, you know, really check their hydration, make sure that they're like, I would, the first thing I would say is, you know, get a, get a glass of water, make sure they're staying hydrated. But if it's something that's repetitive, I would just have a professional look at them just to make sure. Okay. So do you have any final tips you want to share with those that are dealing with migraines or headaches? I think just the realization, again, to stress that it is not something that you have to live with. There are many things in your life that you can do and you can be empowered to have control. Even once we work on some of these things, it, I always tell people that they have power now. Like if let's say there is a food that's a trigger, they don't have to give that food up forever, but they have the choice to make and know that, okay, I know this food is one of my headache triggers if I choose to eat it and that happens, then I have the power still to make that choice. And I think sometimes we feel like we're, it's happening to us. And so I think that just knowing that you have control and power to make changes is, is really impacting. And 
if someone doesn't know for sure if they have a headache or a migraine or they know it's a migraine, the tips that you have given today have been both for headaches and migraines. Correct. So I, in the way I treat them, I don't necessarily distinguish the headache and the versus the migraine because we see that more as a symptom. So we're really looking at body imbalances and body triggers overall. So you can use it for both a headache and a migraine. And if there's those listening that have tried a lot of this, like brought down their inflammation and eliminated food and worked on sleep and stress, are there other like alternative practices that they can try? So one of the most common nutrient deficiencies when it comes to headaches and migraines is magnesium. So adding magnesium foods into your diet, it could be a really good step. Or if you don't feel like that's possible, supplementing with a magnesium glycinate and even taking like Epsom salt baths or something that, you know, that has magnesium to really increase. So there's a common, the common with magnesium deficiencies and headaches and migraines. That doesn't surprise me about magnesium. Magnesium plays a role in now like over 800 different functions in the body. So that doesn't surprise me that people deficient in magnesium would have headaches. Okay, so besides supplements, what about other alternative practices like maybe going to a chiropractor or an acupuncture person? Do those help? Yes, they do. And, you know, we're looking at each individual and and why they're getting headaches and then putting all those pieces together. And many people that have headaches regularly also have that neck tension or pain. And so go, I think going to a chiropractor, you know, sometimes people will get to the point where they're like, okay, I know I'm going to get a headache if I don't get there. So anything you can do structurally is your advantage. Even um, beyond that, even sometimes teeth grinding and TMJ. And so really recognizing like even a dentist or an orthodontist that can give you maybe a mouth guard, those can also be structurally helpful. Wow. Headaches are so individually based because as I'm sitting here thinking, I've got a brother who um, knows which food triggers bring his headaches on, but then my husband will get headaches with a nerve pain that's like in his shoulder that connects up to his neck, has nothing really to do with food. It's from an injury. And so people just have to, I guess, really know their bodies and understand the root causes of their headaches and what triggers them. Absolutely. Because it's different for each person, but there are commonalities that you can do to help yourself for sure. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate your insights on headaches and migraines. Where can my listeners find you? So my website is www.megmill.com. And I actually have a program specifically for people that suffer from for headaches and migraines. And you can find information about that at happinessbeyondheadaches.com. I run that live with me a few times a year to for specifically. And um, I'm also over on Instagram at Dr. Dr. Meg Mill, M-E-G-M-I-L-L. And I actually just started my own podcast called A Little Bit Healthier, where I talk about simple things you can do every day in your life to just stay healthier. So oh, um, I love that. Any of those places. Oh, I love that about the podcast. I am definitely going to have to subscribe and start listening. Thank you for sharing that. I also always close my podcast with asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. What would you say it is? I would say sleep. (laughs) I think that's probably a funny answer, but 
sleep is where we restore our bodies, where we are really getting our cortisol levels down and it helps so much with stress. And I think that's something that people really sometimes don't realize that they're minimizing, you know, it's like, okay, I need to get this done. Or I, I have a few hours, I'll get up to early to exercise. And while those are all wonderful things, we need to really make sure that we do get sleep in order for our bodies to heal. So it's just something that is easy to do and relaxing and everybody needs it. I love that you've done that. I have done over 50 episodes and no one has ever used sleep as their best ingredient. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, that's where your digestion can repair. It's where detoxing can happen. It's where a lot of hormonal balances can take place, like so many things during sleep. And so, of course, it should be one of the best ingredients in life. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here today. I know my listeners have learned a lot from this episode. And like she said, go follow her on social media and check out her website and her programs. And again, thank you, Dr. Mill, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.